I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 168 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings and 10 years ago I gave up my life stream and career as a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary singer, songwriter and musician Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. And on this episode of the podcast we chat to Sam Molnar and hear his incredible connections with Paul Weller from the jam to now. We'll discover how he's become Sammy Carpet to the Weller family, how he created Wake Up Woking and an incredible homecoming gig in 2010, which featured live music from Paul Weller, Bruce Foxton and Steve Brooks and Paul's first gig in his hometown for 30 years. More up to date, Sam came up with the idea for the Wildwood Garden, a Woking hospice, which Paul opened in 2022, raising further awareness and much-needed funds for the hospice. Another cracking guest on the podcast. Let's get into it. Sam Molnar, thanks for joining me. Really nice to be invited. You've been a long-time listener to the podcast. You know what this is all about, right? And one thing that's been quite interesting, because there are lots of people who love listening to it, which is always very nice, but there's the odd person who says to me, oh, for Christ's sake, when are you just going to get to Weller? Like, this is my choice, right? So, you know, it's up to Paul, obviously. But there are lots of people who go, oh, when are you going to get to Weller? Next, you're going to just get the bloke who delivers his post on. Now, technically, folks, what we have now is... Paul Weller's official carpet fitter, right? Well, not fitter, salesman, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Do you get somebody else to fit it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do the hard work. <laughs> now, I should say that also Paul has been a mate of yours for over 50 years, so not just the carpets, but a good friend of yours for, for over 50 years now, right? Yeah, 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 and it goes back a long way. Well, he was a friend of my brother's first, my brother Laz. He used to hang about with him and Dave Waller and Tony Pilot, and then one day I ended up round Stanley Road, according and my brother John took us home in the cab one of those days as well do you know the nicest thing is and I'm going to say lots of nice things about Paul but every time I see Paul one of the first things he says after asking about Ange and the kids is how's my brother Nice. nice. He's lovely. He's such a top man. Well, look, we're going to dig into these stories of the past 50 years. So let's start with the music. So when you first met Paul, was the jam a thing? What year would this have been, roughly? Um, Yes, I, I couldn't tell you exactly, but I actually heard the jam, believe it or not, in Shearwater Youth Club. 
they were recording in the hall in the in the room out the back and I was out the front I don't know we were always playing cards three card brag and things like that when we were youngsters and uh, there was this awful racket coming from this room and uh, that's the first seriously um, <laughs> you know that's the first time I, I ever encountered the jam yeah to be honest with you I, I've always said that I'm not a jam fan um, I like their stuff I saw them quite a few times I just got into own little bits of music I never sort of was possessed by one genre of music and everything else and uh, yeah I mean I love some of the jam songs and everything else if I'm being honest I love Paul's stuff now I think it's brilliant I love it you went a punk like Tufty then no, I actually think I was um, probably described as a suede head because I wasn't a skinhead. We all, all, even the Wellers used to go to a place called Dazzles and um, we used to get on tick our brogues, our loafers, our crombies, our tonic trousers, our brutish shirts and everything else, always on tick, which was great. And yeah, no, I would have described myself as a suede head. I didn't, you know, there were proper skinheads. I've never been associated being a mod. I don't, you know, I couldn't tell you what that means, to be honest with you. It was what we were wearing. I mean, you know, we were just chuffed we could get stuff like that on tick. Sometimes at home, me and my brother used to, my mum said, switch your light off, he's coming around to collect the money because we didn't have it to pay. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is, Dan, and this, is a, this is a true story. I saw, I saw Dazzle's son the other day, and everybody in Woking who knows Dazzle's, I saw the son and uh, he said, oh, I remember your family. And my older brother, God bless him, was deaf. So some of the other times, if we didn't have the money, mum used to send him out and he couldn't understand him. <laughs> and, and before anybody gets in uproar, we're not the only family in Woking that did that. <laughs> so the music, you would have been listening to all kinds of music. I guess, yes, you're liking the jam, but reggae yeah. was quite a big thing for the suede head. My brother was into reggae. He was into The Who. He'd been to The Who at Charlton. He'd been to see uh, Marley and stuff like that. And we had a friend who had probably the best reggae collection ever. So, yeah, we're into all that. And my sister, my elder sister, was into Motown. Never punk. But having said that, my wife was into punk and she dressed like a punk and things like that, you know, so. It was really funny because my wife used to live in, in Maybury and she used to hang around with Paul and, and Tufty and all that. Like, and they used to go down the pub and things like that. And just before I, I met my wife or we were going out, it was her 18th birthday. And it so happened that she'd invited Paul to her 18th. So I saw Paul the other week around his mum's and I said, Oi, you've got a bone to pick with you. I said, how come you got an invite to her 18th and I didn't? <laughs> She's known him for a long time as well. I suppose if, if I... Being honest, I've been a friend of the Weller family. You know, I know of Rick and Bruce, Brooksy, I know, which you'll see in a minute with the Wake Up Woking thing. But yeah, it's always been the Weller family. You know, Anna and John have been lovely and, you know, Nick, and it's been great. The way I look at it is I, I remember going to uh, Stanley Road and I remember talking to Anne the other week about down the alleyway and I was a footballer, you know, not that good, but I was a footballer at school. But Paul was an interest. He was no good at football. So I took that route and he picked up a guitar and... Uh, you could see who'd done the best, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you had a really glittering footballing career, Sam, did you not? Well, no, I tell you what, I, I, had one, I had one foot, my left foot, and I also had a long throw. If you know about football, I beat Ian Hutchinson in a long throw competition once, so... <laughs> 
football game to fight. Let's talk John Weller. So, you know, Anne was on episode 100, which feels like um, ages ago. Now it's over a year ago. Goodness me. Was obviously talking so lovingly about John and this boxing career, if you like, the amateur boxer in him. But he was also, I mean, what a hustler. He was working in the building trade, taxi driver, as you say, doing all kinds of things to make ends meet. Funnily enough, he, he used to box with my wife's Angie's um, dad as well at a working boxing club as well, which is one thing. But there's a fantastic story about John um, just as they were about to break it into it they were there or thereabouts and a friend of ours uh, a good, really good friend called Ken Caesar John said to him he said look Ken I'd, I'd like to buy your taxi plate off you he said, well, how much? And he told him, it was, it was three grand in that those days. So uh, Ken won't mind me telling him, because the tax man's forgotten about it, but probably not. So anyway, he, he said, John went upstairs. This is brilliant. John went upstairs and he said, he bought down three grand in notes because John was a readies man. Ken said, he said, John, he said, can I just ask you? Now, Paul's doing all right. He said, can I ask you why? Why you want this taxi? He said, just in case the boy don't make it. And that is fantastic. He was covering his bases, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart move, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's not easy. To get the music it's he obviously saw something in him, though, and was like really pushing the three of them to gig and booking them gigs all over Woking and stuff from the Working Men's Club. But then it, it, very quickly they get into London. Even the early days of the jam in London, they're still having to kind of rope in people to, to get to the gigs, right? John bowled into the princess once um, and he said, right, you lot, Paul's been on Friday or whenever it was. Rory Scott's coach will be here to pick you up. And I'm sorry, anybody, about John's acting, but uh, that's the way I'll do it. So we all piled on this coach and we went up to Ronnie Scott's and uh, it was really good. I mean, it was nice. You walked in, free concert. Somebody said that uh, Shane McGow was in there and he, Shane McGowan said all these soul boys turned up and everything else. But it was John's way of filling out the crowd. People were walking around solo and uh, I think that night Tufty went down to see Lynn the Lewis or somebody like that. It was good, but that was John. John would try everything to get the boys work and uh, he was brilliant we've heard the stories about borrowing somebody's building van you know on a Friday night and then by Monday the guy's saying I need my van Mon- you know Monday morning and they've still got all the gear in and everything else he's been brilliant absolutely brilliant the boys are playing Michael's which it was like a gangster club from what I can work out right yeah yeah there was a there was a shooting in there um, well I used to go to Michael's because they used to play soul music as well and I used to hide because I was sort of underage getting in there we used to hide from the, the the manager in that but john got this residency so you know people were there and great story was the um you know the ymca gig which you've probably heard a couple of things about paul getting pissed up and everything else but you know i've got a lovely story about john where um a young lad come into the red house you know at the pub in woking i'd finish work having a couple of beers and uh, he said oh can you tell me where this is um apparently the jam are playing there and i went oh i didn't know about it um playing as John's boys, I think. Somebody will correct it. He hasn't got a ticket. What can he do? And I I just said, well, look, I live near there. I'm going to walk past there. Come on, I'll try and get you in. So I walked down there with him and John was outside. I said, hello, John. Sorry, mate. This guy's come all the way from Kingston. Hasn't got a ticket. Any chance of getting him in? And he went, sorry, Sammy. He said, no, all full up, mate. And it was a tiny little place, 100 people, whatever. And the bloke said, oh, thanks for trying and trundled off. And I said, John, 
See you later, mate. Have a good evening. So I got 10 yards down the road and he said, Oi, Sammy, if you and Ange want to come back, see you later. <laughs> so I went back and got Angie and brought her back there. <laughs> this other poor sod's walking home. Yeah, the thing was, that was the infamous gig where Paul was pissed because they all went down the anchor in Perford all afternoon and it was not good. That was John to a T, to be honest with you. He was such a diamond. Uh, I used to see John not every day, but virtually every day because I worked in the carpet shop opposite the Midland Bank where John used to bank. Now, John being John was the only person that would just roll up in his jag and park because there was no motors, but John would just go park outside there, get out of the car, leather jacket, briefcase. I'd be sometimes at the door. He'd say, hello, Sammy, bang, and whatever. And then um, there's one day he'd come over and he said, oi, Sammy, Paul's got a flat in London. I need some carpet. He said, I'll send you up there in a cab. You measure it. He said, I don't want no fucker knowing where he lives. <laughs> <laughs> he put me in a cab. He sent me up there, um, gave me some cash as well, which is lovely. I measured it up. Gary Crowley told me this flat was in Pimlico. I couldn't remember. But he had this one studio flat, and it was a, a an emerald green carpet. And I remember my first flat, I had the same carpet, but in brown. So, um, yeah, it's an American carpet. And that was the start of Sammy the Queller's Carpet Man. You know, I've carpeted... John's houses, Paul's house. He even got me up to Stanhope Place, you know, the other studio. You know, again, sometimes there's people walking about. I didn't have a bloody clue who they were. And that's the other thing, you know, Paul's always been quite loyal to people who, who look after him and, and people he knows. Um, that was really nice. Sadly, at John's funeral, sad occasion, but um, there was loads of people there and whatever. It was a lovely turnout, beautiful service and everything else. At the um, hotel afterwards, there was um, Max Beasley, and I, I didn't have a clue why he was there, whatever. And I said to Nick and, and Anne, I said, oh, you know, I've seen this guy on the telly. Who is he? And I think Anne said, oh, Maxie, Maxie, can you have a word with Sammy, our carpet man? So I introduced myself to Max Beasley. And we were all, you know, waxing lyrical about John and his story about being paid cash, top of the pops, everything else. It just showed what a lovely man he was, John. You know, he was brilliant. And the other thing on that day, I'm sure Nicky won't mind me saying it, but we got asked to leave because he got a bit rowdy, you know. So, <laughs> And I phoned her the following day and said, your dad would have loved that. You're seeing the rise of the jam and it getting bigger and they're doing the residency at the Cow in London. And I mean, you're seeing them on top of the pops and that. It must be like a weird feeling to suddenly see your mate on the telly and hitting the number one spot, surely. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, but, you know, they were busy, they were working, so you didn't see them all the time. You know, my wife went out drinking with them more than I did, didn't really see them much. When we got married, Anne and John were invited to the wedding, but the boys were off touring, but that was it, that infamous year 82, you know, everybody was crying that year, but I got married. I suppose we were both upset, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were touring all the time, they're all there in the studio making singles and albums, so you kind of got to go out with them as mates because they're just on this conveyor belt on this hamster wheel no I've learned over the years you don't interrupt somebody on their job I wouldn't want to try and see Paul when they're recording because that's intense work and everything else you know a lot of people don't realise that you know you just wouldn't want to interrupt them if you meet them and you're having a coffee or a chat it's really good but when they're concentrating it's, it is work and I would imagine the Star Council were more your bag musically yeah I suppose they were but again it wasn't I never went to see the Style Council. We were still keeping in touch with Anne and John. I suppose we got married. We did our own thing. You know, you drift off a bit there, really. It's always nice to say, oh, blimey, you know, we know that guy. 
and everything else. That, that's that's really nice to do, you know, yeah. when you see him on top of the box or, hang on a minute, you know, my birthday, 85, and you got Rick Parfit from Woking and Paul Weller, and you think, wow, this is great, you know, Live Aid. Is that your birthday? What a, what a lovely present. <laughs> yeah, it was my birthday. I was working, but yeah, it was great. Woking opened it, you know, with, with status quo and then Star Council. It's brilliant. Funny little story on that. I don't think Paul liked all that and all the others up there up their own backsides or whatever. But the other day, um, Geldof said, you know, they're doing a play, right? And they're not getting everybody in to play bits and pieces. It's just a story of, of Live Aid. But they're getting someone to sing. And the funny thing was, he said, oh, the bloke who plays me actually sings really well. I felt like saying, well, that ain't, can't be hard <laughs> with his singing. <laughs> Another story which I love, I think it's great. Do you remember when Bruce used to manage um, the Vapors? Oh, yeah. Bruce and John. They were number two or something, and John came home one day and said, what's the matter, what's the matter? He said, well, I don't know. He says, I don't know what to tell the boy if the other group go to number one above him. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely people, mate. Let's talk about charity. So this is something that's been important to you for, for so long now that you're often raising money for charity. We're talking you know, sponsored walks. We're talking golf days. I've seen fishing things, the London Marathon, these cycle rides. What's the driver? I suppose, firstly, it's because I'm able to do all these sporty things and I love a challenge. When you're getting someone to sponsor you on, on cycling or, or running a marathon, they've got to trust. They get nothing in return. In 2009, I think, when I had this... And it was a dream, believe it or not, it was a dream to ask Paul to play a gig. We had gone to um, a pub in Woking called The Cricketers. We'd arranged to meet Anne there, and Enzo Esposito was playing with his band, The Five Sixteens. I always joke with Anne, get Paul out with us for a drink, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't drink now. This time, she said, he wants to see you because he needs some carpet down the barn. And it was just a little bit of matting for uh, the accountant's office. So I went down Monday and I'd had this idea in my head. I would always dreamed of this thing. So I'd done my homework and I'd got it in my head and I went in there and he just finished Wake Up The Nation. So they're all in the studio, finalising everything else, or whatever you do. You'll find out I know cack all about music, but there you go. <laughs> and um, Paul made me a cup of tea, and I thought, I have not got a better opportunity to ask him than now. He's relaxed, he's making me a cup of tea, and I just said, mate, I said, the hospice is in trouble. Any chance you could do a gig sometime in Woking? I've got a venue. I told him what we charge, how many people, everything else. Annie Crofts walked past. I thought, oh, God, I might as well go for it. I said, oh, hello, you know, introduce me and whatever. And I said, do you fancy playing Woking? And he went, yeah, why not? Bang. That was it. Paul said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit busy, mate. So I went and did my carpet stuff. Got some business out of that as well. He said, put it on a letter, which, you know, I got this letter and I sent it to Paul, said where the venue would be, everything else. Basically, I was doing this and a friend of mine, Vic Forsetta, he helped me out on it quite a lot. Wake Up Woken was born. I mean, I got the name because it was a play on Wake Up The Nation. And Woking Hospice, for you, that had a real personal connection as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Sadly, my mum had died in there. They looked after her really well right up to the last minute. And, you know, in, in the programme, I put, they let people leave the world with care and dignity. And, you know, that's what they did. They, you know, nothing was too much trouble. We didn't know what a hospice was before. We knew Angie's uncle uh, died in there, but we didn't know. And what a place. But again, without getting too political, the hospices are charities, government. 
governments are crap. They're not funded, everything else. So everybody still trying to send their hard-earned as you say, I've done fishing, or my brother did the fishing. Last weekend, my um, my daughter did skydive for the hospice. You know, every time people are doing doing challenges and everything else. It was really funny because I thought nothing of it and sent him a, a, this letter. And uh, a few weeks later, I was at work. You know, I'm still, I was still working. And there's a phone call. And I went to my mate. I went, oh, shit, it's Paul Weller. So, hello, mate. All right. And he said, yeah. He said, Sammy. I've got a date for you. Saturday, the 5th of June, after our gig, we're playing Aylesbury the day before. It's the end of a tour, Saturday, the 5th of June. I went, oh, shit. I said, I'm on holiday then. He said, no, you, you won't go on holiday. There's that great big volcano cloud in the sky. Do you remember that? Over oh, yeah, Iceland. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? A couple of months before. So he said, you fucking won't go on holiday. Cut long story short, I then went to the leisure centre. This is brilliant, this bit. I then went to the leisure centre. I said to the guy, Stuart, I knew really well. I said, Stuart, I've got a date. I've got Paul Weller. You know, we've talked about it. We've talked about it. Saturday the 5th. He said, I can't do it. I said, mate, this is Paul Weller. He said, I cannot do it. He said, I'm not cancelling a five-a-side tournament for this. <laughs> so nearly didn't happen. So, oh, my God. No, no, nearly didn't happen. I got back on the phone to Paul, and he was in a car with the, everybody going to, I think they were going in between radio stations and things like that. And uh, I thought, oh, shit, what do I say? I said, Paul, I said, I'm, I'm really sorry, mate. I said, they can't do that. He just shouted out to the guys in the car. He said, Sammy can't do the Saturday. How about the Sunday? And luckily, they all said yes, whoever it was. So thank you very much to them. But to be honest with you, and again, I'm so indebted to Paul because he kept the whole crew. He kept the stagehands, the people putting the, everything up and all the things, the catering, everything. It, it was just amazing for that extra day. He was touring the next year and he said to this guy we know in Worthing, he said, oh, I saw you awoke in his great gig. He said, yeah, that fucking Sammy made me work on a Sunday. <laughs> 
Being a salesman, I always used to have a saying that people buy from people. You know, I was going around beg, stealing, borrowing. We knew the local printer. He said, do a program, get some advertising in it. That'll pay for it. We didn't have to pay for the program, the posters, the tickets, because that was covered by the advertising, which paid him off, which meant that every penny we earned came to the hospice. That was my sort of driving force. And, you know, it was really good. I was doing cash deals for the blimmin' stage and, you know, whatever. Sorry, tax man, it's all gone now. There was all these things. The poor lady at the hospice, Mary Lacey, lovely lady. She said, I don't want to know, I don't want to know, you know, (laughs) everything else. It just worked like a dream and uh, we maximised what we do. The other thing, if you remember, I was in um, Italy the other week and saw your moody T-shirts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was so. This was. I think I mentioned this on the podcast actually. So this was outside the gig when you get all the bootleggers. There was somebody bootlegging my T-shirt, my logo, right? Yeah. But, but yeah. So so anyway, just to let you know, because I work closely with Paul's people, I had to jump through hoops. So we asked for a T-shirt. We had to go for to. The parent company Bravado to get it okayed. It was all done properly. And I, I would, there's no way I wanted to upset them. I wanted to do it by the book. You know, somebody sitting outside Lino Gigesolo selling your t shirts for 20 quid, which he's paid three quid for, or whatever, which not, you know, I'm not saying three quid, but they can have it if they want to. I was doing it properly, or we were doing it properly. That's why now, you know, I never do anything for me. It's always been for the charity. We should mention the fact that, so this was, so the gig was Sunday, June the 6th, 2010, the first wake up woking. And we should mention John Weller because John had passed away just the previous April 2009, right? Yeah, bless him. There's, there's a couple of things on that. I get quite emotional and uh, I was going to see Anne and, you know, she was always putting me right and everything else. And um, we were debating whether I introduced Paul on stage, whether or not I introduced them as welcome to the best fucking band in the world or whatever. And in the end, because it wasn't a jam, I didn't, but there's a lovely photo of me and Paul, which Hannah took five minutes before we went on stage. And I've got a beer in my hand. He's got a fag. He said, are you shitting yourself? I said, too bloody right, mate. I just got on the stage. The crowd were there. And I just said, thanks for all coming. This is dedicated to John. 30 years ago, that man was going around woking, saying, Paul's playing here, Paul's playing there. Please welcome Paul Weller, and that was it. You know, the rest is history. It was a great thing. Paul said it was a homecoming in sorts of ways. Yeah, it was. The people from Woking, it was lovely. And, you know, even in Jezlo the other day, my wife had, Angie had one of the T-shirts on, and this guy sat next to us. He said, I've got one of them. And Angie said, I probably sold you that. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. You know, cut a long story short on that. That that thing, it nearly killed me, um, to be honest with you. And during that night, it was a relief. Um, I did ask Paul to, he doesn't do it. I said, could you do a dedication? And bless him, he, he was there and he said, uh, I don't do dedications, but this is for Sam and his lovely wife, Angie. And he's saying, you do something to me. I went running over to Angie because she was still trying to sell merch and, you know, whatever. We started dancing and I just burst into tears. And I just said, we did it. That was it. As I say in the football, you know, played 1-1-1, and that was it for me. It was brilliant. We raised on that 
night or that day we raised over 62 grand for hospice which was fantastic god bless Vic he's carried it on yeah he's got other people playing for him or whatever that the total's gone over to a, uh, over 100,000 now well done to him you know I couldn't think where else you could go above Paul to get someone playing in their hometown get McCartney playing in Liverpool maybe but yeah, I couldn't top it I just couldn't top it a couple of other really special things about this gig. So Steve Brooks is involved. He's supporting original member of the Jam with Paul Weller in 1972. And Bruce Foxton, of course, bass player with the Jam, rocks up as well. Tell me about this. This was really weird because I kept in touch with Claire, who's um, Paul's manager, and I said, Claire, sorry, there's an article in the Sun saying that Bruce is going to be playing with Paul. And I said, I haven't spread that rumour, I haven't spread it, because I didn't want, you know, somebody pull the plug and all that. So anyway, we got to the gig, and um, all of a sudden I see um, Bruce hanging over the curtains, looking out at Brooksy. I went, hello, mate, what are you doing here? And, you know, that was it. What a thing, because I just sensed that that was, Paul did it for Woking. He played eight jam songs. He got Bruce, Steve Brooks and himself all on stage at one thing. That was a a beautiful moment. And, yeah, it was lovely. One other story I I really must tell you, because um, it's important to me. And, you know, as I said, I went to the um, Shearwater Youth Club. The guy who used to run Shearwater Youth Club was um, a guy called Dave Strike. He was fantastic. Everybody, there could be effing and blind and whatever, but he kept a tidy ship and I don't think they ever forgot him. So I sourced out him and his wife, um, I think her name was Betty or something, or forgive me if I got the wrong name. But So I sourced, found out where he was and said, look, would you like to be guest of honour? Paul's playing Woking, come and have a look at the gig. What a lovely thing was, I, I was in back and forth backstage and I said, oh, Paul, I've got Dave and his wife from sure he said bring him in and i brought him in and i've got they've got this lovely photograph of paul bruce and them two to me that was special because there's the guy who started it all i'll be honest with you dave strike said to me a few weeks later he gave me an lp uh i think it was in in the city lp that they gave him saying thanks for what he'd done he gave me that to raffle off for the hospice oh nice lovely man lovely, lovely. Let's talk about Wildwood. So this is not the album, although that is a lovely conversation always. I'll always have that conversation. Let's talk about the Wildwood Garden. So this was your idea to, I guess, rework and rename the garden at Woking Hospice. COVID put it on hold for a bit. So March 2022, this happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, again, oh God, I I mean, you know, now I've I've, I've hung up my boots, as to say, to be honest with you. So, Paul, it's all right, mate. I'm not going to ask you any more favours because I can't. The hospice again were in trouble. I went down to see him and said, oh, the hospice is in trouble. They're always in fucking trouble, which is true, which is true. And I said, look, mate, I'm not looking for any money. I'm not looking for you to play a gig. I just want you to open a garden and... Let's make some awareness of it there. And, you know, hopefully we'll sell some merchandise. Steve Wheatley helped me out with all that. So we just made some money to do the garden. It did take probably a couple of years to to do it. And uh, I remember once I said, oh, sorry to bother you again, Paul. And he said, look, I'm finishing a tour in December. Give me a shout, then I'll do it. And then all of a sudden, I phoned him up and I'll message him, actually. And he said, oh, sorry, mate, I've got COVID. (laughs) So he couldn't do then. And then he said... January, February, definitely. It was fantastic because Paul said to me, he said, look, Sammy, he said, I don't want it to be a circus. And I said, Paul, it's a hospice, mate. People are dying. He said, yeah, I don't want loads of people, whatever. So he said he wanted one photographer. So I thought, well, who do I know? 
Derek D'Souza. I told Tufty to come. Steve was helping me with the uh, merchandise. So Steve went and picked up Paul. Little did we know he was picking up Anne as well. Paul turned up. And he was brilliant. He was lovely with the staff, taking photos. We're being as diplomatic as we could with the, the masks and things like that. He signed loads of stuff. He had loads of time for people. Yeah, it was brilliant. And just as he left, um, I remember he gave me a hug and, and I said, I can't thank you enough, mate. Do you know what he said? He said, I'm sorry it took so long. And I just thought, what a man. He's just brilliant. I think we've raised um, another 10K or something on that. All goes in the same pot with the hospice. And we're still plugging away. He had, you know, sadly, Paul had a friend die in there last year. He's seen firsthand what they do and everything else. And, uh, you know, once you're touched by some place like that, it's quite moving. I always say I've done a few talks on stuff like that for charity. One pound is better than nothing. And, uh you know, and also awareness, if people know. And the hospice is not where people die. It's where people go. They go they're, they're going for um, well-being and uh, counselling and, and all those sort of things. And, you know, it's a place. I mean, we go there for coffees now. I won't give Costa Coffee my money. I'd rather give it to the hospice because I know there it goes. I can't thank Paul enough. He is a top man. And, uh, yeah, no, really good. So, you know, I can't tell you which record's on which album or anything like that. All I know, he is a top man and uh, a good friend who's helped me out with charity stuff. Forever beholding to him. Hey, look, man, this has been so lovely. I will put in the show notes details of the Wildwood Garden, details of how people can donate and merchandise is still on sale so they can buy that or they can donate directly and stuff like that. So we'll put that all in the show notes for the podcast. One thing I'd love to do, Sam, you know, you know, we have show notes. We have a website that accompanies every episode of the podcast. What I'd love to do is put like a gallery of the carpets of Paul Weller over the years. <laughs> Are those things you've saved? Do you want to <laughs> you, you tell us what he's had? <laughs> Do you want one? Here we go, Lisa. It's sales technique now, look. Dude, no. Do you know the Lawrence Watson picture with him sitting on the floor with a teddy bear on the brown shag pole carpet? Yeah. I sold him that. Brilliant. So there's one. Do you know in that house in Send, he had a swimming pool outside and I used to go out measuring up and everything else. You know Lee and Natty, they had bedrooms upstairs, a little spiral staircase. But I'll tell you this, mate. In the lounge, there was a scooter on a metal plate and on the wall was all the Stanley Road logos. It was amazing. True story. <laughs> Anne said to me, she said, Sammy, what do you sell him that fucking carpet? She says, he's got candle because he had candles all over the house. There was candle wax all over it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. So the other week on my social media channels, you were in Italy. Paul Weller solo live. You seem to be at a lot of gigs seeing Weller solo. The solo years and more recently is, is really a big thing for you in terms of his music. Yeah, I think I just love the style. I mean, you know, it was somebody put on that it was five years since the Festival Hall. I mean, what a gig. Yeah, what funny. a beautiful gig, you know. It was, it was just lovely. You know, I suppose it's because we're that age. Most of the records I like of Paul's are, are slow records, you know. And But then you listen to, you know, we listened to Style Council the other day, me and Ange, and we're just thinking, wow, you know, it's just, this is just, the, the, the man's a genius. And, you know, then you go back to the jam stuff, and he is the changing man, and, uh, you know, long may it last. And uh, I hope he don't hang up his boots soon, because uh, I think he's still got a lot to offer, you know. By the way, my God. 
Italy was fantastic. Imagine it, you're on a beach and 10 minutes later you're in a gig. You can't do that anywhere in England or whatever. It's been just, it was just brilliant. Please don't shout out Brighton to me because it wasn't sunny. <laughs> I was going to say Cliff's Pavilion, South End on Sea, yeah. But the only other thing was, uh, sadly, my wife fainted at one of the gigs. Paul can have that effect on the ladies, right? <laughs> yeah, he did, because basically the second time she was put on a stretcher, taken out of the back and given an ECG and everything else. And I saw Bill Wheeler and I said, Bill, do you mind if we just sit here? And Because I, I wouldn't listen to the end of the good gig. So Anne sat on a chair for half an hour or an hour and we listened to the back and the encores and everything else. As they come running out, Paul went past, took a double take and said, fucking hell, what are you doing here? And he gave Angela a lovely hug and uh, heard that she'd been ill the day before get her a drink and a cup of tea or something like that. And it was lovely and they were all nice. But it took me back to your um, podcast with um, with Bill, because I said about it, where they come off and they are like a family. So that was nice that they were all together and going back on the coach because every night of those gigs was like a team winning the Champions League because they deserved the applaudits and everything else. It, it was mega. It's brilliant. Hey, look, two final questions for you before you go, Sam. You're allowed one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life. It can be the jam, the style council, or solo. What would you go with? Well, at this present moment in time, we both love moving on. Two stories to that. When Anne left work, she was a teaching assistant. The lady there Googled a Paul Weller song. Andrew's assembly with all his school kids, and all of a sudden this song come on, and she said, I know this song, and it was moving on. And uh, it's just lovely. And um, I've even got a sign that Pete Carver did for me at the bottom of the garden, which says I've got love all around. I, I don't need nothing else, which is great. But interestingly, we were with Paul a few weeks ago. And I do try and catch him if he's sitting there having a coffee with us with his mum or something. I just say, Paul, can you just tell me about moving on? And he said, Sam, it's, it's what you interpret it. And I said, sorry, mate, but I can see that as being some people's funeral songs. He said, it's what people make of it. And to be honest with you, you could say that about anything. I mean, the other song I would have said, because we're in Ripley a lot, is Village. That man, he says, here I am, you know, and he's in that village and he's making wonderful music. So he must be happy there, you know. Love it. Right, final question. So the purpose of this podcast, Sam, is to meet lovely people like yourself who have had these connections, these stories to share around Paul Weller. But as you know, my one big regret from giving up my radio career was that I never got to interview Paul Weller. So I've created a podcast to make it happen. Stupid bloody idea, but there we go. Uh, if it happens, Sam, yeah. what should I ask him? If you want to give me the questions, I could probably ask him first because I might see him before you. <laughs> I'll just pass them on. <laughs> yeah, to be perfectly honest with you, I'd just give him a big hug and thank him. Thank him for all the friendships he's made. All the people. I wouldn't know you. I wouldn't know half the people. Making people happy. The people in Italy, you know, the night before having dinner, we were with somebody. I've never seen him. I just said, believe it. Just go. Go there early. And they're there with beaming smiles, with, with their arm around Paul and things like that. The man has made some great friendships, lifelong friendships. And there are a few wrong'uns in there, but there's a few wrong'uns in anything. But if it was me, I'd just shake his hand and say... Thank you, mate. You've made some lovely friends. As Tufty says to me, he said, he's a spider and we're all caught in that web. What a great way to finish. Sam Molnar, thank you so much for your company, yeah. man. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, nice to speak to you, mate. Take care. Well, there you go. My thanks once again to Sam Molnar for joining me on the podcast. You can find out more details about the Wildwood Garden at Woking Hospice, Wake Up Woking, 
and their friendship 50 years plus on my website. Just go to paulwellerfanpodcast.com and check out the show notes for this episode. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then do spread the word on social media. At the time of recording, we are number one in the UK. We are top 40 in Japan, Australia and America. Crazy, I know. And if you've enjoyed it, what you've heard, I'll ask you two things, okay? One, for this episode, please do donate to Woking Hospice. You'll find the links in the show notes for this episode of the podcast. And if more generally you'd like to support the podcast, we'd love you to buy a virtual coffee. It's only three quid. You can sign up for one. You can sign up for a regular subscription. Entirely up to you. Just head to the store on my website. And please do spread the word on social media. Let's get this in the Paul Weller fan forums, the Jam, the Style Council, Paul Weller Solo, social media, Facebook, Instagram, X, Threads, whatever you want to do, really appreciate it. And make sure you follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. On the next episode coming up, the incredible story of Carlene Anderson on the podcast, an epic, epic chat. You may need to do this one in two sittings, folks, on the next episode. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.